says that uh, we uh, worship in spirit and truth. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So I want you to know that there is freedom in this place today to worship the Lord the way that you feel like. If you want to stand up and shout, you want to raise your hands, whatever you want to do. If you want to yell amen, hallelujah, feel free to do that. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We know that the anointing of God destroys the yoke of bondage. And I believe that the word that's going to come forth from our pastor today is going to do that. It is going to destroy bondage. You know, just because we're saved and we know the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't mean that we don't sometimes have some things in our life that need to fall off. And so I, I believe the Lord said today that there's, there's, in the body of Christ, there is a spirit of distraction. And I take that personal. I take that personal. That doesn't just mean you people that are listening, but it means me too. Distractions are something that keep us from really hearing God's voice. And we, as the people of God, have a responsibility to hear the Lord. We need to hear him. We need to see what he wants us to do. It's really important. We're living in perilous times. We're living in difficult times. We're living in where a society that is saying that we need to be woke. Well, you know what? As the body of Christ, we are going to awake. But we are going to awake to the things of God. So I'm excited to see what's going to happen here today. I want to tell you something. Um, the, as I've been praying for our church, that the Lord showed me a, a word for our pastors, that the fruits of their labors are going to start being so evident that it's going to be so much fruit, so much fruit, that it's going to overflow the fruit. So thank you, Jesus. We're going to just come before the Lord this morning in prayer. Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus, with grateful, thankful hearts, Lord. Thankful for every single person that is under this uh, it, online in this place today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for hungry hearts, Lord. Lord, the word of God says to taste and see that you are so good, Lord. You are so good. We know that there is healing in the name of Jesus. Not just healing for our physical bodies, Lord, but for our hearts, for our emotions, for all those things that the enemy comes to try to destroy, Lord. We know there's an enemy. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But, Lord, we are the people of God called by your name, the name above all names, Lord of Lord and King of Kings, Jesus. And so, Lord, as a prayer to you, you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. We pray, Lord, that the praise and worship in this place, Lord, would be so pleasing to you, Lord. The word that would come forth, Lord, that it would change the hearts of people, Lord. That it would change the lives of a hurting, dying world, Lord. We thank you for salvations. We thank you for people set free, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I can feel the passion. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship the Lord today. We come to give him honor and glory. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your power. We thank you that there is no one that's greater than you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. You'll come to worship him today. Oh, yes, we come to worship you, Jesus. There's no one like you, Lord. Yeah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
I've seen many faces and many places I've come to know Times I've celebrated, sweet drink I've tasted, they come and go. Let's sing it out, but there was a treasure. But there was a treasure poured without measure over the earth. A light that so bright it outshines the lightest lights of the world. No greater friend I know. No greater peace I know, no greater hope I know, no greater joy I know. I can search high and low, any everywhere I go. No greater river flows than you, Jesus. No greater love than yours. My great inspiration heart's motivation still comes from you why don't you sing it with us no one more forgiving no one more healing no one more true your love is a treasure your love is a treasure poured without measure over the earth a light that's so bright it outshines the Lights of the world no greater, no greater friend I know, no greater peace I know, no greater hope I know, no greater joy I know. I can search high and low, any everywhere I go, no greater river flows than you, Jesus. There's no greater love, Lord. With all my heart, I lift you up. With all my heart, I lift you up. With all my strength, I lift you up. With all my soul, I lift you up. With all my strength, I lift you up. With all my strength, I lift you up. With all I am, I lift you up. With all I am, I lift you up. With all my heart, I lift you up. With all my heart, I lift you up. With all my soul, I lift you up. With all my soul I lift you up and with all my strength I lift you up with all my strength I lift you up with all my heart I lift you up with all I am I lift no greater friend I know no greater peace I know no greater hope I know no greater joy I know I can search high and low in the everywhere I go no greater river flows than you Jesus no greater love I know no greater strength I know no greater way I know no greater name I know I can search high and low any everywhere I go no greater river flow than you Jesus if it's greater if it's greater let it be greater let it be greater if it's higher if it's higher let it be higher let it be if he's higher, if he's higher, let him be 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 greater, come on, we're going to let him be greater today, we're going to magnify him, it doesn't, when we magnify him, it really doesn't mean that we're making him bigger 
than he is, but in our own sight. Right. Amen. So a lot of times we let distractions, we let what the enemy is trying to bring our way be magnified. Right. But we need to magnify him to really see how big he is. Amen. So that's why we say that if he is greater, we know that he is greater, but we're going to allow him. Amen. To be greater in our life. Right. Amen. Right. That's what we're singing right. about. Say, if he's greater. If he's greater. Let him be greater. Let him be greater. Yes. Come on. We're going to sing that together in just a minute. Hallelujah. Say, if he's greater. If he's greater. Let him be greater. Let him be greater. If he's stronger. If he's stronger. Let him be stronger. Let him be stronger. If he's higher. If he's higher. Let him be higher. Let him be higher. Let him be higher. Let him be higher. Say, if he's greater. If he's greater. Let him be greater. Let him be greater. If he's stronger. If he's stronger. Let him be stronger. Let him be stronger. If he's higher. If he's higher. Let him be higher. Let him be higher. Let him be higher. Come on, just praise his name. Amen. He is higher. He is stronger. Amen. Said I searched all over. Why don't you turn to somebody and tell them, say, said I searched all over. I searched all over. Yes, come on, tell somebody else, say, and I searched all over. I searched all over. I searched all over. I searched all over. And I searched all over. I searched all over. I searched all over. And I still couldn't find nobody. Still couldn't find nobody. I still couldn't find nobody. Still couldn't find nobody. You are stronger. You are greater. There's nothing impossible for you, God. 
come and lift you up. No one like you, Jesus. Come on, if you believe that, why don't you give them some praise this morning? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's nothing like being free. 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 Why don't we just sing? It's real simple. There's nothing like. There's nothing like being free. There's nothing like being free. Come on, sing it again. There's nothing like. There's nothing like being free. There's nothing like being free. Being free. Sing it again. There's nothing like. There's nothing like being free. Oh, there's nothing like being free. Being free. Hallelujah. Say, there's nothing like being free. There's nothing like being free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and liberty, liberty. Where the Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and liberty, liberty.
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you set us free, but by your spirit, God, we thank you that there is freedom, that there is liberty, oh God. We thank you that we are changed in your presence today. Come on, just begin to soak up the atmosphere of worship. The Holy Spirit is in this house to break every spirit of fear, depression, oppression. We thank you, God. We thank you for every delay to be broken, God, off of every life in this house. We thank you, Jesus, that we are free. We are free, oh God. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the freedom that we have in this house. Freedom, oh God, that we have to worship, oh God. We thank you, Jesus, that you are enough. God, and we just thank you. We give you praise, oh God. Hallelujah. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Wasn't holding you up, so there is nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. Going through a storm, but I won't go down. I hear your voice carried in the rhythm of the wind to draw me out. You would cross an ocean so I wouldn't drown. You've never been closer than you are right now. Let's sing it together. Because you are Jaira. You are enough. Jaira. Jaira. You are enough. So I will be. And I will be content in every circumstance. Cause you are Jaira. You are enough. Forever enough. Always enough. More than enough. Yes, God. Forever enough. Always enough. You're more than enough. I don't want to forget how I feel right now on the mountaintop. I can see so clear what it's all about. So stay by my side till the sun goes down. Don't want to forget how I feel right now. Come on, lift your voice and sing it. Say, Jaira. You are enough, Jaira. You are enough, and I will be, and I will be content in every circumstance. Jaira, you are enough, forever enough, always enough, more than enough. Come on, sing it with me. Forever enough, always enough, more than enough. I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know what you've spoken. I'm already loved more than I could imagine. And that is enough. 
I'm already, I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know, who I, am. I know what you've spoken. I know what you've spoken. I'm already loved. I'm already loved. More than I could imagine. More than I could imagine. And that is enough. Come on, sing it again. Sing it one more time. I'm already loved. I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know, who I am. I know what you've spoken. I know what you've spoken. I'm already loved. I'm already loved. More than I could imagine. More than I could imagine. And that is enough. Yes. And that is enough. Come on, sing it again. And that is enough. And that is enough. Yes, it is. That's enough. Amen. That is enough. 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 Say you are enough. You are enough. You are. You are enough. You are enough. You are enough. You are enough. I am enough. You are enough, so I am. You are enough, so I am. I am enough. Jaira, you are, you are enough. Jaira, Jaira, you are enough. So I will be content. I will be content in every circumstance. Cause you are Jaira, you are enough. Come on, why don't you just worship him right now? Cause he is enough. And because he's enough, we are enough. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, that no matter the circumstance that you're carrying us through, God. If he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more does he love you? How much more does he clothe you? If he watches over sparrow how much more does he love you how much more does he love you if he dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor how much more does he clothe does he clothe you how much more does he clothe if he watches if he watches over every sparrow how much more does he love you? How much more does he love If he dresses the lilies, dresses the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more will he clothe you? How much more will he clothe you if he watches over 
every sparrow how much more does he love you how much more does he how love much you? more how much more does he love you? 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 How more love you? How much more does he love you? More than you ask, think, or imagine According to His power working in us It's more than enough More than enough Let's sing it again It's more than you ask It's more than you ask, think, or imagine According to His power working in us More than enough It's more than enough It's more than you ask More than you ask Think or imagine according to his power working in us. He's more than enough. Think, ask, think or imagine according to his power. According to his power working in us. More than enough. It's 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 more than you know. Sing it again. Jaira, you are enough. Come on, tell him this morning. Jaira, Jaira, you are enough. You are enough. And I will be, and I will be content. In every circumstance, because you are Jaira, you are enough, and I will be content in every circumstance, because you are Jaira, you are enough. Yes, God. Oh, we thank you, God, that you are more than enough. We thank you that we can be content, God, in any and every circumstance because we know who our God is. We thank you that you are all-powerful. God, there's nothing that is too big for you, nothing that is too hard for you, God. And we are not discouraged or cast down, but we are encouraged with our head lifted eye, knowing who our God is. Lord, and we thank you today. We declare that this is a day of miracles. This is yeah. a day of turnaround, Amen. God. And we just thank you, Lord, for it. This yes. is... We just, as we sang earlier, that there's nothing like being free. We thank you that where the spirit of the Lord is, that there is liberty. There is freedom. God, to break every addiction, break every bondage, break every spirit of fear, God, whatever that is holding us back. We thank you that this is a day of freedom over our life, our family. God, over this nation, we decree that. God, and we just give you honor, praise, and glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. We're going to, um, this is our first Sunday and Pastor Bev's coming. She's going to share. Um, but um, this is our first Sunday of the month and we always um, do corporate communion. So Herman and um, they're going to be, and, and Amanda, I don't know which or both, 
However, you guys are both a, a dynamite power duo, so it's going to be powerful no matter what. But before you leave, at the conclusion of the message today, they're going to um, present communion, and we're going to partake of that together. Um, and typically what we do is after our tithes and offerings, we dismiss our praise kids. But I'm, we are t learning a new dance that we're going to present in October. And so I'm going to um, jumpstart and teach them. So y'all are going to come with me in just a minute. And um, like, not, like as soon as I get off the stage right, we're gonna right come with now. me and we're gonna go learn a new dance intro on that and so um if you do have kids know of kids uh, we do provide praise kids every wednesday at seven o'clock sundays at 9 a.m we have a great time we have awesome our children's director in, in the back right there amanda galatis she's a powerhouse and um also serving on the team is markeisha another powerhouse we got and so um we welcome you to come and join us amen well, at this time, we're going to uh, give you a couple of announcements, and then following that, we're going to take time to worship the Lord with our tithe and offering, and then Pastor Garland's coming to bring forth the word, and as Bethany said, we will partake of communion at the close of the service this morning. Um, our next, uh, we had our Unlocked Ladies Luncheon this past Monday, and it, I always just thoroughly enjoy the luncheons, being together with the women, women that are passionate for success. Um, and we are excited about what God's doing in our midst and about what he's doing in pumping up women, getting them excited about following in their passion for God and a passion for success. The next one will be October, the, I mean, uh, September the 19th. I'm jumping ahead of myself. September the 19th. And then on October 31st, we don't celebrate Halloween, but we never want our children to feel like they're left out just because they're Christians. So we always do something big and special for them. So we have rented the facility Jump and Jive, which I think is in Prairieville. And so it has all kinds of uh, inflatables and whatever. I don't know, they might add pictures up there. If not, we encourage you to go to our website. All the information's on there. It'll be just our church there. So we don't have to worry about running into people with all kind of crazy costumes and crazy agendas. It'll be just the church people there. We always invite the adults to come too because we have a wonderful time just sitting and fellowshipping and you know we're gonna have a gourmet dinner of pizza it's gonna be amazing and so we always have, have fun so y'all plan on coming to be with us on uh, October the 31st all the church is invited to come and uh, it's a free event and it will be at Jump and Jive in Prairieville and we also have already secured uh, everything laid out for our Christmas banquet it will be in the New Orleans area we do different things some things out here and some things there so that everybody divides their time which church is driving here and which church is driving there Christmas banquet will be at Augie's restaurant and uh, it's going to be on December 11th and it's gonna be delicious and wonderful time and we'll begin working in October on all of the Christmas presentations from our children adults etc so be sure that you're connected with us online get our emails sign up at praisechurchoflouisiana.com so you can be informed of all the events we have going on. Every Sunday morning, Kathy Abear, who greeted you this morning, is leading intercessory prayer right here. Connect with her if you have a passion for intercessory prayer. She will also update you with prayer requests as they come in during the week and let you know about the things that are going on. Let's take a moment today. I'm not going to be lengthy about the presentation of tithe and offerings, but I will say it is our privilege to give back to the Lord that 10% 
of what he has blessed us with. And we are so blessed. I, I mean, if you look at the statistics, statistics are low on people that tithe. Our churches are tithing people. And we know because of that, that they are blessed people. Blessed when they come, blessed when they go, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, amen. And so we are going to give you an opportunity right now, if you're here in the house and you're wanting to give, if this is your church home and you're wanting to give your tithe or if you're just wanting to give an offering, John will be in the back of the church. You can bring the a tithe or the offering envelopes, whatever, back there to him and make them out to Praise Church. If you're giving online, the information for that is on the screen and you can give that way as well. And Father, we just thank you, Lord, for that that you have blessed us with. And it's our privilege to give back to you, Lord, out of the abundance that you have blessed us with. Father, for those in this room that are maybe in a financial struggle, we break the spirit of lack off of them, off of their lives, and we call in jobs, better jobs, raises, bonuses, benefits, settlements. We call in, Lord, the abundant blessings of Almighty God for his people. And we thank you in advance for that, Lord. We lift up those that may be suffering in their body and that need a physical touch, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, that we are healed in Jesus' name. We claim your promises, Lord. We are blessed in every way into the uh, to the aspect that all will see our profiting because we've said yes to you and yes to your purposes and yes to obeying you with that that you have spelled out for us in your word. And we give you praise for all you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, Pastor Garland's coming. Good morning. It's a good day. Amen. The word says this is the day the Lord's made and I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to be glad in it. No matter what's taking place in our world, we know who's got everything in control. So today I'm going to continue in our, our series that we're doing in the book of Acts. And uh, I'm very much challenged as I'm reading through this and studying how that the early church, the first century church began to operate we find in Acts chapter 2, uh, after that Jesus had spoken to his disciples, which become apostles, and, and uh, he says to go and tarry in Jerusalem. He said, don't leave until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, go, go and tarry in Jerusalem until you uh, uh, receive the Holy Spirit and power. So there's, there's power that is in the Holy Spirit if we, if we would yield ourselves to receiving the Holy Spirit. Now, I think that the times that we're living in and the world that we're living in today, we need to be aware of the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to operate and to work in our life, more so probably than what we did back in the 70s and 80s and then the, the 40s, the 50s, because of the times and what's happening in our world today. The condition of our world is upside down. We're looking at a world that's calling things right, wrong, and calling the things that are wrong, right. The Word tells us very clearly about that, that when those things begin to happen, those are signs that you're entering into the end of time. And so as we look at the Word of God, we want to be prepared for what God has for us. This is not a season to be playing, playing church. It's not a season to be playing patty cake with the devil. It's a season to get ourselves matured and begin to grow in the things that God has for us and, and not compromising in our walk with God. 
So the example that we have is the early church, the first century church. When they came out of the upper room, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. But it started off with them being in unity and in one accord. They had one desire. They had one focus was to receive what Christ had talked to them about receiving of the Holy Spirit and being endued with power. And we understand the word in, in Acts chapter 2. It says, in, and, and they were all in one place. They were all in one accord. And then, then there was a sound from heaven that filled the room. And cloven tongues like as a fire descended upon them. And the word says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They had, a, they had an encounter with a heavenly dimension that many people in this world never have an encounter with because they're never exposed to it. They don't know which way to go. They don't know which way to turn. And they don't know what to seek for. This is what church is supposed to be about, is that we direct people to move into a place to start seeking after the Holy Spirit so that we can have the power that God has given to us, available for us, to walk in times and seasons that our world is facing. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't watch the news anymore. I'm so tired of being frustrated and hearing them shout and scream at each other on there and getting me all stirred up about stuff. I have to go to the Word of God and begin to see what God begins to say about what is happening. Now, how do I interpret the Word? How do I look at the Word? I look at Scripture and I begin to find what's happening in those times that's comparable to what's happening in the times that we're living in today. And so in the book of Acts begins to unfold many scenarios of what, is, what was happening then is happening today in our world today. A mockery coming against the church. The, and I'm not talking about the religious church. I'm talking about the one that has relationship with our Lord and our Savior. I believe that there's two sectors of that. And we find that the ones that came against the people that received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and was walking in the power of God the opposition that came against them was the church. We find that persecution came from the church. And so uh, is this something that we're, 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 we're to look towards to see what is going to happen? I believe that we can start seeing some of those things. And, and we see some of that now where there is a mockery and, and that the, the church today that's making a stand, that's saying, you've gone too far. We've had enough is the ones, ones that the enemy is going to begin to focus on because it exposes what the devil is doing and what he's trying to bring forth. I don't know about you, but when I start looking at, at, um, at how God begins to work and how he begins to operate, I also understand how that the enemy begins, begins to operate because it's not about you as an individual but it's about your seed. It's about the generations to come. The word tells us that, that a, a wise man is going to leave an inheritance to his children and his children's children, which in, a lot of times we interpret that as being financial breakthrough or financial blessings to come into their life, leave them a house, leave them a car, leave them some money. <clears throat> I think it goes beyond that. 
I believe that it goes into a place that we bring them to a place of understanding and of knowing how to operate in the realms of the spirit and being able to walk in a life that is so confused and so upside down that it's calling things right, wrong, and wrong, right. And it's now at the place that it's snowballing in such a fashion that people are buying into what is being said. If you don't believe that, then look at the mandates that's been placed upon us. Look at the mandates where that, that come forth and tell us that we need to put a mask on. And go to your stop sign or go to the red light and, and begin to look around at the cars that are by you and see how it, the car, and you'll see somebody in the car by themselves with a mask on their face. Nobody's there to infect them. Nobody's there to breathe on them. But yet they're wearing their mask. It tells us that people are being schooled and people are being taught how to think. As believers, the way we need to think is according to the Word of God. Amen. And when I start looking at the first century church, when they came out of the upper room, people were mocking, people were laughing, people were looking at them and saying, these people are drunk. Peter comes forward and begins to explain to all that are watching, we're not drunk as you suppose. But this is what Joel prophesied. He brought him to the prophetic word. He brought him to a word that brought instruction but it brought clarity to what was going on in that season and in that time. He said, Joel prophesied. He said, in the last days, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall dream dreams. Your old men shall, I mean, your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall have visions. And so I, I find that I've crossed over into that old man stage where I'm dreaming instead of having visions now. I'm just joking around here, but it's really true. But anyway, we're finding in that, in that season that Peter is now explaining to the people what's going on. We need somebody to explain what's going on in our world today. What's taking place in our world and where do we need to go from this point? When we start looking at the book of Acts, you begin to find they came out of the upper room. They begin to be made fun of from the first step. They begin to be, be accused and ridiculed and, and, and things were coming against them. People were coming against them, but it didn't stop them for the purpose of what God had designed them for. You see, when they went into the upper room, the word says they were all in one place and they were all in one accord. They all had one mindset, and that was to fulfill the purpose that God had designed for them to fulfill in the season and in the era that they were in. I find that the church today is not in one mindset. I find the church today that we're so divided in our opinions and our thoughts. And, and, and you may have different opinions and different interpretations, but there's one thing that we can rest assured if we are believers Jesus is returning. Jesus is coming back for a church that without spot or without blemish, which tells us that he's coming back for a mature church. He's not coming back for one that's crippled, one that's afflicted. He's coming back for one that is mature. So if, we, if he's going to return, there's got to be something he's got to return for, and that's his bride. When I look at the church today, I find in a church in America that it's very immature in its, in its thinking, in its process. If we were to be judged by the judgment of the early church, of what they regulated the early church to be in, I'm talking about the first century church and the development of the first century church, we would, we would come very short of being the church of the first century. Here we are in the 21st century and we're trying to find our way. 
We're in the 21st century, and we're not replicating what they did in the early church. In fact, we're not even interested in the Holy Spirit. If there is any inclination of the Holy Spirit, the average church today wants to put him in a back room as if, it's, as if it is embarrassed of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit all up in our business. We need the Holy Spirit moving in our services. We need the Holy Spirit touching people. When people walk in the door, they should feel the presence of God in a building because the Holy Spirit dwells in that, in that building, in the facility. And it's not about the building. That's just a gathering place. But it it is a place that the Holy Spirit dwells in and people can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I'm of one that thinks that when people walk into a room that they should receive their healing. They should receive their miracle. They should receive deliverance. They should receive what God has set aside for them. But what the enemy has turned in their life to become bad. Where the enemy has set a plan for their life from generations prior we call them generational curses. And, and you can say, well, I don't believe in generational curses. And that's a whole different story. I believe that they're there. And I believe that they're coming forth. And they're, and they're manifesting itself. That you're seeing things being repeated generation after generation after generation. But it's time for the church to begin to draw the line in the sand and say, it's not going to happen in another generation. It's not coming forth in my family. And we start laying hands on our children and start beginning to minister to them, but yet stop not just laying hands on them, but teaching them the Word of God so that they can overcome any obstacle that would come in their path. I believe we got a generation of young prophets that are coming up. In fact, I believe we have some in this building. And they're already prophesying. They're already saying to the parents, the Lord just spoke to me today, and this is what He told me today. I believe that we're going to see little ones coming up and beginning to minister and beginning to, to, to uh, explore dimensions of the Spirit that adults are afraid to enter into. But because of the innocence and their, of their heart, they're going to step into what God has for them. And they're going to move in dimensions that adults are wishing they would have entered into. When I look at the book of Acts, I begin to see great and marvelous things. Last week, we talked about Acts chapter 3 as, they, as, as Peter and John were going into uh, the temple. They came across the gate called Beautiful, passing by, and a man asking alms. Alms, asking for a handout, asking for help to sustain himself for another day. Peter and John, being filled with the Holy Spirit, looks upon him. And they go to the man and they say, look on us. He says, silver and gold, have I none? It wasn't that they didn't have silver and gold. I think that what they were saying was, what you've been receiving as a handout from everybody that's passing, going into the temple, is only meeting a need for the day. But what we have is going to change your life and turn it upside down. And they reached down and grabbed him by the hands and lifted him up. And the word says his ankle bones were strengthened that very moment. And he went jumping and leaping and praising God all the way into the temple where everybody else was going to worship the Lord. And people were in amazement and looking at this man saying, isn't that the one that was asking alms? And now they're seeing him walking, jumping and leaping. And now accusations begin to come. The religious world begins to bow up against them. I'm convinced that the reason that the religious world 
comes against a move of God, it's because it exposes their lack of discipline to enter into a move of God, to enter into the presence of God, the lack of prayer, the lack of seeking His face, the lack of reading the Word. There's a lot of people that can operate in gifts, but they don't understand the Word. There's a lot of people that understand the Word, but don't operate in the gifts. I believe that it's for all of us to operate in the gifts, but we have to have a foundation in the Word of God or we can start chasing some strange fire. The book of Acts, we see miracle after miracle after miracle that begins to take place. You find that the community comes together and they begin to, to help others. They begin to feed the widows of the, the Grecians. They begin to, to demonstrate the power of God. And then you see Paul coming on the scene in chapter 10, chapter 11, somewhere right in that area. And all of a sudden he's, he's blinded by this light that comes and, and Ananias takes him into his house. I, I don't know about you, but my curiosity is that I wonder what Ananias taught him. I wonder what Ananias spoke to him about. When Ananias says to him, Paul... May the Holy Spirit come upon you. And in that very moment, the word says scales fell off of Paul's eyes. I wonder what got Paul, one that was named Saul, that was killing Christians, to make such a drastic change and make such a, a drastic move that he received the Holy Spirit and the change took place so much in his soul, in his heart, that he began to win the church. He began to win those that were lost. And we find he becomes one of the most prolific writers in the New Testament that begins to explain how we need to live, what we need to do. He says on a daily basis that he washes his mind, that he cleanses his mind. And he begins to take those things that came, came to him from a world situation and begins to wash those things out of his mind before it drops seed down in his heart. I'm, what I'm saying is today, more than ever before, we need to watch what we're watching on TV. We need to listen to what we're listening to because if we're not paying attention, a seed will get into our soul and cause some type of corrupt plant, if you will, to grow in our soul and cause us to miss the mark of what God has called us to enter into. I believe that we can, we can get ourselves into a religious facade and think that everything's okay in our life when we've got such corruption in our soul. We've got, we've got issues that we need to deal with. The Word says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3-5, through 5, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let me talk to you just for a second about strongholds. Strongholds is not the manifestation of the sin that's in our life. A stronghold is the way we think to cause us to sin to have the manifestations that are there. So the problem is not the alcoholism. The problem is not the cursing. The problem is not the lust. The problem is not, oh, that is a problem. But the problem comes as a result of the way we think. So I have to change the way I think in order to have a different outcome in my life. 
I've got to change my outlook. And the way that Paul washed his mind was with the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to so saturate him, so get inside of him, the presence of God to be upon him. He, the Word says that he prayed in the Holy Ghost more than all the others. So if Paul is talking about the Holy Spirit and saying that I pray in the Holy Spirit, then you and I should take that as a note that it's important for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because in the Holy Spirit, it begins to war against the issues that are coming against our life that keeps us from moving into what God wants us to be. People are walking along in life and they're doing good for a moment. I'm talking about spiritually and all of a sudden they hit this wall they can't go any further than that wall what's causing that wall to be there I don't know many different issues could be in their life it might be the way that they think it might be the, the conclusions that they've come to about the word of God that God doesn't love them the word says he loves us more than anything he loves us to the point that he gave his only begotten son for our life for us to be saved for us to be delivered, for us to have liberty, to be free. But we're hitting these walls. It may not be a wall that is there on the outside. It may be a wall that we have put in our mind and in our soul by the way that we're acting and the things that we're doing. It might mean that we need to change. How do I change my life? Well, the word says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And then it tells us what we need to do. Take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ, casting down imagination and any high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. When we start looking at what Paul is saying, he's now giving us a prescription of what I need to do to protect myself. I can't just live how I want to live. I can't just do what I want to do. I can't just allow my flesh to guide and to, to direct me. I can't allow my soulish nature that has not been totally sanctified to lead me and guide me because there's things that gets in our soul that can prevent us from moving into what God has for us. So I have to repent. The Word says, if my people, which are called by my name, would humble themselves and pray. Turn from their wicked ways. It's talking about repentance in here. It's talking about getting ourselves into a place where that, that we turn our heart completely over to God and allow Him to work in our life to bring that transformation in our life that we're not wrestling in our sleep. We're not wrestling in the daytime. We're not wrestling with our imagination, but we're casting those things down. Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God cast it down. But if I'm not studying the Word, how do I have a knowledge of God? Oh, well, Grandma said, Mama said, forget about what Grandma said and what Mama said because sometimes they got it wrong. We need to get into the Word and get it right. I can't go by what everybody else is saying. I can't go by what other preachers are saying. I've got to get into the Word for myself to understand what it says. You might be able to hear a good fancy sermon or a fancy message and say, well, that's good. It feels good. And many times there are messages that come forth that are misleading that we gravitate to 
because we want to justify our strongholds. We want to justify how we think when the Word of God says anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, cast it down. Taking captivity to every thought, to the obedience of Christ. I'm having to evaluate everything that comes into my mind, everything that's coming across this table of my mind. I have to evaluate it and look at it. And if it's not according to the knowledge of God, I need to cast it, cast it out. I'm going to go back to an old illustration, if that's all right. Getting a Kleenex box out here. There's thoughts that are coming into our mind on a second-by-second second basis. Just like that. And we have to capture those thoughts and evaluate, is this of God? How can I know whether it's of God or not if I'm not studying the Word? How can I know whether this is God speaking to me or not if I don't know His Word? How, how, can, how can people operate in the gifts of the Spirit in balance if they don't know the Word of God? Come on. So I have, to take, I have to take everything that's coming across my mind and evaluate it whether it's of God or not. If it's of God, I need to keep it. If it's not of God, I need to get rid of it. I need to cast it out. I need to cast it down. Anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. But if there's no knowledge of God, what am I working with? If I'm not studying the Word, then the Holy Spirit doesn't have anything in me to bring back to my remembrance. So I have to study the Word. I have to get into the Word. And I've seen people raised in Christian homes taking it for granted for what God has done in their life and they, and they just on cruise control based upon what mom and dad has done. But it's not about mom and dad. It's about your relationship with God. It's about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's about getting into a place that you're taking control of yourself. The Word talks about, about the, the, the gifts. It talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. If I can get self-control in my life, which means that I have to evaluate what's going on in me. Paul said he washes his mind on a daily basis. If I start taking care of myself and dealing with my thoughts and dealing with my mind and dealing with my soul, then I can help somebody else. But until I get myself whole, you know, in, in, in marriage counseling, we performed a lot of weddings and did a lot of counseling. And there are some people that we say, you know what, I can't perform a wedding for you. And they look at you like you're crazy. It's because you're not ready. You're not ready for marriage. You're not ready. You're carrying such baggage in your life that you walked into the room with all of your garbage bags and dumped all of your garbage out on the table, but you're gathering it back up to take back into your life, into your, with your family. We need to be made whole in our soul so that we can function the way that God intended for us to function. But the word tells us in Ephesians 6.12 that we wrestle against principalities, powers, and spiritual wickedness that's in high places. So these demonic forces have come against us 
from generations prior, dropping seed along the way to teach us how it wants us to think. Raised up in good families, but yet there's that little quirk that's in that family. And now we're dealing with that little quirk and we can't get rid of that little quirk in our life. And as a result of those things that have taken place, unless I understand spiritual things, unless I understand the word of God, that little thing will be, be haunting me all of my life until I take control of my life. If you don't control your life, somebody else will. If you don't take control of where you're going, Somebody else will tell you where you're going and dictate to where you're going. I've got to be free from every thought that keeps me from entering into what God has for me. I want the presence of God in my life. I want the manifestation of the power of God working and living in my life. The word says that the steps of a righteous man is ordered by the Lord. Then the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Let's take that for a moment and just begin to look at that from a converse side. I don't want just anybody praying for me. Now I want everybody praying for me, but I don't want just anybody laying hands on me. I don't want just anybody speaking into my life. I've got people in my life that they're praying for me they lay hands on me. They're speaking into my life. And I trust them because of the lifestyle and the depth of the word that they have and the depth of the spirit that's operating in their life. That's what I want in my life. I want the effectual fervent prayers of a right standing man speaking into my life, praying over my life, laying hands on me, which tells us that not everybody's having their prayers answered. But the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man availeth much. When you begin to pray as a believer, you should start shaking the heavens with your prayer life. The Bible speaks and tells us in the book of Acts where that they were in one place, they were under pressure, they were telling them they needed to quit doing what they were doing. They were locking them in prison. They were beating them. And the church began to pray. And the word says, and the room where they were began to shake. When is the last time you were in a prayer meeting when the room began to shake? That's the kind of prayer meetings that we need to start having. That's the kind of prayer room that we need to have. That when people walk into that room and people begin to pray, that things begin to shake, that things begin to tremble. That at the mention of his name, demons begin to cry out because of the power of the Holy Spirit that's operating in that room. Oh, we've gotten so used to, now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayers. Lord, I ask my soul to keep, Lord. All of it's good, and it's a good model. But where, where are we going to start shaking the world for the kingdom of God? And when are we going to start shaking the kingdoms of darkness? 
when you start reading the book of Acts all the way from the beginning all the way to the end, from chapter 2 all the way to the end of the chapter, you begin to find that shadows of people begin to heal, uh, uh, demonized people begin to come to the meetings, and people that were sick begin to come to the meeting, and they were healed, they were delivered, they were set free. I believe in every meeting that we have, we need to have miracles. We need to have deliverance. We need to have people being set free from the power of the enemy that has oppressed them and have kept them from moving into what God has designed for them to move into. It's time to get a hold of the Holy Spirit. It's time to begin to grow up and quit playing church and be the church. When I look at the two church types that were in the first century, I begin to see one that's full of power. I see one that's full of the Holy Spirit. And when they begin to speak, their words were heavy. When they begin to declare things, peep, things begin to happen. And then I see the other side, which I call the religious church, that was mocking the power of God. It was mocking the move of God. It was mocking healings. And it was saying, healings are not for today. The Holy Spirit is not for today. Deliverance is not for today. Oh, it's for today because the Word tells us that He's the same yesterday, today, and He's going to be the same forever. And if He did it back then, if we can read books about John G. Lake and William Branham, A.A. Allen, Smith Wigglesworth, and see all the great things that took place not very far from our life, and see the power of God that was working then. And why aren't we seeing some of the things in America that we have read about, heard about, and even studying in the book of Acts? It's because we have become complacent. We don't have prayer lives anymore. We're not reading the Word in our homes anymore. We find the evidence of that when the Bible was taken out of school. I believe that the Bible was hidden in the homes, but because if it was the first and foremost thing in the home, then people would have protested and said, no, we want the Bible in school. And now centuries and generations later, we begin to find people waking up and saying, we need the Bible in school. We need to send them to private schools. We need, you know what we need? We just need a good old-fashioned move of God's Spirit that we see an outpouring of God beginning to come upon the earth that there's an open heaven that begins to take place over our life and we see God's power working on a daily basis. If we're not seeing it being Him being moved in our life on a daily basis, then there's something wrong. Something's wrong. I got completely away from my notes. So anyway, I guess I'll stay away from my notes today. But I do want to go, I want to, go to a passage here that I think is very, very interesting. When you start looking in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and, and in looking at, at verse 12 on down, as far, as far as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of, the, of, of one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. I'm in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, started with verse 12. Verse 13 says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we, were, we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free and have, have been all made to drink into one spirit. The Holy Spirit is for each and every one of us. 
The Spirit of God is what we drink into. For the body is not one, is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand and I am not the body, it is therefore not of the body. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I'm not, I am not of the body, is, is it therefore not of the body? No, it's part of the body. The ear, ear is part of the body. The foot's part of the body. What it's saying here is everybody has a different function. And when you look in Acts chapter 2, you find the anchor for Acts, the book of Acts, is being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and fire came upon them. But prior to the baptism of the Holy Spirit was understanding to be united together. They were all in one place. They were all in one accord. They were in unity, focused on one thing. And if we get off from focusing on the purpose that God has the local church for, then we miss out on what God has for the community. So if everything is about the apostle or everything is about the prophet or everything is about the pastor or everything is about the evangelist or the teacher, then we get out of balance. We have to have all of it so that we can walk in unity for the purpose of what God has designed for us to walk in. <clears throat> the word tells us that, that the foundation or everything is established on the apostles and the prophets. Then the pastors come in and begin to teach people how to walk in the demonstration and in the power of God. The evangelist comes and stirs up. The teacher comes and begins to teach and begins to give us detail of history past, history now, and beginning to expose where we're needing to go. So everything has a function. And so it is with the body of Christ. Everyone has a function. But we have to be focused to the point that they were in the book of Acts. That they were not worried about their own physical condition. Hear what I'm saying? They, they, they allowed themselves to walk in places that their life was in danger. And when opposition came from the religious church, they stood, when they've done all to stand, they stood with what they believed. Today, if we had people coming in with their swords and with their diapers on their head and ready to chop your heads off because of your belief, I mean, think about it. A few years ago, we were seeing this on the news, chopping Christians' heads off, and I thought, how would the church in America stand with this? How would the church in America portray itself when I looked at those that just bowed their heads over and said, I'm not changing my religion. I'm not changing my relationship to follow any other God. And if it means taking my life, then go ahead and take it because I'm not worried about living today. If you take it, I'm going to be with him. Oh, I know I'm going to be in trouble. I got things uh, that I've said that I know I'm going to get some, some feedback on. Verse 16, And if an ear shall say, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body. Verse 17 says, If the whole body were an eye, where, where the hearing, where is the hearing, 
And if the whole body is hearing, where is the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. So every one of us has a position in the body of Christ. You say, well, I don't know if I could fit in because of all of what I've done. No, God will take those things that the enemy intended for bad and turn it around for the good of those that love and trust in him. So it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what you've come out of. What matters is where you're going. And if they were all one member, we're, we're the body. But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So we, 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 as a body of Christ, we need to back up and begin to look what's important. Everybody today wants to be a prophet because prophets now have gotten notoriety. And you got every, every, every magician jumping on YouTube, Facebook, and everything else calling themselves prophet. And half of them don't even know how to spell prophet. My, my point is they're operating in a dimension that they don't know anything about. And if you, if you want some scripture to go with that, give you a good metaphor. A prophet comes to town and, and the school of the prophet says to Elijah, come down because we need to build another building because the school, the school that we have right now, the building is too small. So, and they said, you don't have to do any work. You just come down and approve what we're doing. And one goes and borrows an axe. He's out in, out in the water chopping cypress trees. I think they were all Cajun. They were chopping cypress trees down, and he didn't know how to use an axe. And the reason that I say that is because the axe handle broke as he was swinging the axe. And it, the, the head, the iron of the axe fell in the water. They couldn't find the axe head. So they had to get the prophet to come in to find the axe head. Now, how far could that axe head have gone away from the, the base of that cypress tree? I don't know if it's a cypress tree. I'm just saying we're trying to make it a little Cajun in here. You know, you're talking about the soup that was, was being spoiled, and they had to have the prophet to come throw some meal in there, some salt in there to heal the salt. I, had, I believe it was gumbo. So the axe head was going, and, and, and he over, overshot uh, the, the, the stump, and the handle hit the stump, and it broke the axe head off. Anybody ever use an axe head? I remember when I was, when I was in high school, I, I hired on with my dad. My dad was a carpenter, and I hired on as a laborer. And, and I was driving uh, stakes in the ground for, for a foundation or for forms. I didn't know what I was doing. <clears throat> Thought I knew what I was doing. I had the strength to do it. Man, I grabbed that maul, and I hit, hit, and then I overshot one. And, and the handle hit that stake, and it broke the, broke the head of that maul. So I can relate with this here. So here he is using something he didn't know how to use. And when he swung, it over, overshot and broke the axe head. And it took the prophet. This is the school of the prophets. This was a, a moment where they could have exercised their gift. But because he was using something that was not his... He broke it. Many times people are trying to use gifts that are not their gifts and it ends up breaking down and they have to have the real gift come in to bring forth that axe head to restore it, to bring it back to the rightful owner. 
I hope I'm making sense what I'm saying here. So don't covet somebody else's gift. Operate in your own gift. Operate where God has set you that you can move into what he has for you spiritually. Why? Because the body being fitly joined together can move and function the way it needs to move and to function so that people can be saved and people can be delivered. Verse 22, nay, much more those members of the, of the body which seem to be more feeble or necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable... Upon these we bestow more abundant honor and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. It's interesting, interesting sentence they have in here. But what it's saying here is don't despise somebody because you don't appreciate that gift that they have. But honor everyone in the gifting that God has given to them. For our comely parts have no need but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be, should be no schisms in the body. Whoa. I don't know if the church has ever read that scripture, but there's a lot of schisms in the body. But that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. So if somebody's going through something, then everybody should be feeling what they're going through and begin to intercede and begin to pray and begin to bombard the gates of hell until they're set free and delivered or there's a breakthrough in their life. And whether one member suffer, all members suffer with it. Or one, one member be honored and all members rejoice with it. If somebody gets a breakthrough, then everybody needs to be cheering for that breakthrough. And I say, say it like this because... You're, if you're in line and they get their breakthrough and they got it before you, then you're just that much closer to your breakthrough. So get people to get their breakthroughs. Now, now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondly, prophets, thirdly, teachers, and that miracles, then gifts, healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues are all apostles. Or all prophets, or all teachers, or all workers of miracles have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show, unto, show I unto you a more excellent way. In other words, if there's a gift that impresses you, there's a gift that, that gels with you inside, start going after it. Start operating in the gifts. Why? Because we're living in a world that's operating in witchcraft, operating in everything that they can, they can uh, muster up, doing all kinds of things, and people are being drugged astray. They're following things they should not be following. The church has been asleep. It's not, the church is not the platform here. The church is the body of Christ. 
This is just instruction. This is just a, a classroom setting. This is just a, a pep talk. This is just a, a place of instruction to get us in the same mindset that there are people outside that door that are lost and will go to hell unless somebody reaches them. So use your gift. Use your ability. Use your talent to touch somebody's life and bring change in their life. Don't look down upon them because they've had some hard time. Don't look down on them. They may be tatted from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet, but they have value in the kingdom of God. They have something inside of them that God wants to use. If we start labeling people, we're no different than a religious facade. But as the body of Christ, we need to touch people. We need to change people. We need to deliver people. We need to heal people. We need to set people free. How do we do that? We do that by getting into the presence of God and moving ourselves away from our own ideologies or the way that we were raised or the things that we were taught or the things that were imposed upon us. But we get into a mindset of what does God say? How does God want us to handle it? How does God want us to walk? I was amazed years ago, Bev and I were, were speaking and Bev was speaking this day and in church and there was a gentleman for years that was coming in sitting on the second row every time every place every every time we had service and same place Bev got up begin to speak and Holy Spirit was moving tremendously and all of a sudden this man which we thought soul was correct we thought by looking at his attendance record we thought looking at his giving record that everything was okay and he stood up Begin to scream, and these demons begin to take over and flopped out on the floor and begin to look at, like, what is happening over here? But what was taking place was when the Holy Spirit began to move, these things that were disguised through religious facades could not handle the power of God that was coming out, and these demons begin to manifest through a man that, that in your thinking, everything's okay because they're in church all the time. I wonder... I wonder how much infiltration has the religious sector received and we're just going through motions, but yet in our soul we've got issues. I wonder if the churches today would allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move. How many would begin to manifest that has been hidden from the eyes of people? I'm talking about the spiritual eyes. I think that we would be surprised at what's taking place in our churches today and what we've allowed to happen. <laughs> I remember I was in, in Salinas, California, and I was preaching in a church, and, and I was sitting on the front row waiting for my, my time to, to minister, and, and the Lord began to open a vision for me, and I began to see some things, and I saw where that the pastor and the praise and worship leader was having an affair together. Two men. You know, you would think, well, a man and a woman. No, the praise and worship leader was a man. The pastor was a man. And I'm thinking, what in the world am I doing in this church? What in the world am I doing here? And I got up and I said, how am I, go how am I going to deal with this situation? And so I went to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 which is a, many times my hinge verse that I look at. 
and begin to begin to deal with some things. And I stood before the pastor as he was sitting on the front row. And I said, it would be like, it would be like a pastor having an affair with a praise and worship leader. And man, I mean, there was a squirming that began to take place on the front row and a squirming behind the keyboard that was going on. And I just began to describe what all was taking place and what all was going on. I'm going to tell you there was an uproar that began to happen. It was interesting moments. We left that service. We, we didn't unpack our clothes when we came there. I told the kids and, and my wife, I said, y'all go upstairs and y'all just throw the suitcases over the balcony. And I was catching the suitcases and throwing them in the, in the van. Where, and right when we closed the, the back of the, the van that we had rented, here comes two truckloads of people coming down. And I'm thinking, man, it's going to get dangerous. At the same time, in New Orleans, our intercessor is praying. And the intercessor is saying, we need to pray desperately now for pastor and his family. It was, it was 9 o'clock in New Orleans and 7 o'clock where we were. We need to pray desperately because their life is in danger. Now, they didn't see what was going on, but they understood something was happening. What I'm saying here is the Holy Spirit will, will begin to show you things, but he also will protect you. The Holy Spirit wants to operate in your life if you will give him the leeway to operate in your life. He will cause the oppression. He'll cause the depression that people are working in and operating in under to leave their life. Because the power of the Holy Spirit will bring change in their life. Is that, what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is that when we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life completely, when we commit ourselves that I'm going to do what God wants me to do, but in order for me to do it, I know I need the Holy Spirit. When I allow Him to start working in my life and start using me, I'm going to see my world begin to change. I called the pastor that we was with. I said, hey, man, I said, I'm leaving this place. I said, uh, did you know this was what was going on? He said, man, I was there last week. He said, I felt something really strange, but I couldn't put my finger on it. But what was happening? You know, God will cause you to see by the Holy Spirit what's going on, what's taking place. He will give you such clarity but he will also protect you in the things of this world. There's an onslaught that is against the church. I'm talking about strong believers that are, that are willing to operate in the realms of the spirit and begin to uncover things that are hidden. But there's also a protection that takes place in the, for the lives of those people. Today in our world, we need to hear the Holy Spirit. Shootings that are in schools, shootings that are in neighborhoods, all these things, people are afraid to do things. If you have the Holy Spirit in your life and you're in tune with Him, He will forewarn you of things coming. As a parent, as a grandparent, I want the Holy Spirit so heavy in my life 
that he would warn me of danger that would take place to my children or my grandchildren, that I can be a sounding alarm to them and saying, hey, you, might, you don't need to go to school today. This is what the Lord showed me. Why can't, why can't the Holy Spirit operate in our life on that magnitude? It's because we haven't been challenged to let him have rule over our life. Now listen, I'm not talking about no shaky, flaky granola bar that comes to church and wants to prophesy about every little thing and, and worried about every little thought. You know, what kind, of, what kind of toothpaste do I need to use, Lord? What kind of toothpaste do I need? You know, come on, really? He's not interested in your toothpaste. Find something that tastes good and it works for you. But the things that matter, the things that matter, he wants to get involved in your life. And we need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in relationships that we have, in business dealings that we have. We need to hear the Holy Spirit so he would guide us and direct us and bring us into truth. So as we close today, I pray that this message is challenging your heart. Those that are watching, I'm praising I'm praying that this message would challenge your heart and cause you to seek after the Holy Spirit and let him, to ha let him have full rule and reign in your life. You don't have to look very far to understand the times that we're living in. Let the Holy Spirit work in your life and let him take rule over your life. So I want to thank you for joining us and watching us on, on air today. We're going to go off air you can join us 